Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. Awesome. Well, good evening. Welcome to Calvary HSM at the 5 p.m. service. Uh, if you're here in the room or watching online and we're meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Here at our church, Calvary Community, we believe that we exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. And a big part of that comes from uh, having a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratefulness, a heart of gratitude. And we're going to be jumping into that this evening in Psalms 100. If you guys have Bibles, feel free to open them up. If you have a physical one or a smart device, you can flip there as well. The other option would be as well that at the back of our room, we have Bibles for you. Say for me. These Bibles are for you. They're a gift from us to you so you can use them to jump into the word. We are people who delight in God's word. And so we don't want to say, hey, this guy came and he taught from uh, a magazine or his own ideas. No, we believe firmly in the word of God. Amen? Amen. What I'm going to invite you to do right now, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay, but stand up with me. We're going to read from Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5. There's only five verses in Psalms. Psalms 100, verse 1 through 5. And as if you can't stand, that's great. We're going to read together. One, two, three, and go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You guys may have your seats. We are reading this chapter, these five verses, as an act that people back in the day, as part of a Thanksgiving ceremony, an act of gratefulness that Hebrew people, the Jews, would go into the temple reading, reciting, speaking these words, not because they're just empty words, because they were their lives, they were words to march by, they were truths that directed their hearts into the heart of God. And what you just did right now was affirm the truth and read it and believed it and spoke it. I hope that this was something that was not just a ritual for you, but you believe that God indeed is a God whose, whose love endures forever and his faithfulness continues to all generations. See, we are talking about thanksgiving. And when I think of thanksgiving for many of you, the thought might come up of turkey. For me, very dry turkey, depending on where you have your thanksgiving. My aunt personally does not have dry turkey, excuse you, right? But I am a preferred person who go to have ham instead of turkey. But that's just my life and yours is yours, right? But thanksgiving is not primarily about those things. In fact, the first Thanksgiving in our country, in the States, was in the year, what, 16-something? What is it? What? 16, what? Y'all don't know? 1621. It's a, oh, okay, great. In 1621 was the first Thanksgiving. And actually, this year is America's 401st year celebrating Thanksgiving. Woo! 
401st. That's insane. Like there's literally hundreds of people before you, thousands of people before you who began this act of saying, let's pause, take a day, and actually give heart of thanksgiving to God who not only established this country, but also led us into his heart. This is where we are. And I think many of us have asked the question often, like, hey, like, what, what's God's will for me? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to become? And we hear this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. See, the Bible has answers to everything. Literally, the Bible says that, that, that in this book, there's everything for us pertaining to life and godliness. Life, how to do normal, normal, day-to-day things, like dating and taxes and whether you should murder or not, all in the Bible. Like, there's drama in this book. It's heavy with content and truth and also godliness, how to look and to live and to be like Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, God's will for us, one of the things we know for sure, if you're uncertain about this God, we know for sure that he wants us to be a people who are grateful, who are thankful. And we believe here at our church that grateful people are a giving people. That grateful people are a giving people. And we see this echoed in the heart of Jesus in John 3.16, which many of us in this room can quote, which says, For God so loved the, that he gave his one and only, that whoever believes in him shall not, but have eternal life. Even from the get-go, we see that God's plan and God's heart is one to be a person or a, a people who give, who love others. And if we are to be a people who live and love like Jesus, then giving and gratitude are a part of our normal rhythms of life. There's four things we're going to look at today in these five verses in Psalms 100. One, that gratefulness results in worship. Gratefulness results in an act of service, of giving of ourselves to one another. That gratefulness itself is an act of love, or thanksgiving is an act of love. And the final one, that thanksgiving is an act of thankfulness. Interesting. Gratefulness is an act of thankfulness. Amen? If you're a note-taking person, this is the first thing for you to write down. It says this, that grateful people are a people who worship. Now, the first 15 or so minutes of our time this morning, rather, or this evening, we spend time, and this morning as well, we spend time singing songs of God, singing songs about God. We sing songs to one another. We sing songs to this God. We are a worshiping, singing people. There's no other place on the earth you will find that people gather like this. And sing, unless you're at a concert, and maybe your birthday. Like, like that's where those things like fall in place. But we are genuinely a singing people. And in fact, in Psalms 100, 1 through 2, our first two verses, we see that the, the psalmist writes, Shout for joy, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. He's saying that we are a people who are loud and are happy and full of joy and we respond in an act of singing like we respond as an act of joy of gratefulness of thanksgiving as an act of singing we sing out these truths and for some of us we make make, so that's that's not real that's not our thing well if you've been to uh, any sporting event you realize very quickly that there's 
things that are sung in the beginning of a service or the beginning of uh, these games. And what is usually sang in our country? What do they sing before any game? The national anthem. And people stand up and they, they put their right hand or the left hand, which hand? Foot, whatever. Over their heart, right? And then with boldness, right, with strength in their belly, they stand up and say, hey, oh, say, can you see? And they just like have all this guttural like, you know, like pride. Not for themselves, but because they recognize that this song is echoing the power of our nation, the grace of God on our nation, the providence on our nation. Or for many of us a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago? Week ago. Week, okay, okay. Uh, Wakanda, like forever, like was like, you guys watch that? No? What do those guys say in like, like in the show? What do they say? Wakanda forever, right? Like that's the thing. And they say that because they're honoring the presence of their king. They say that in honoring the, 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 the power of the nation. They say that because they are proud and they are recognizing like their nation. And we are a people who do so not because we're recognizing the power of a nation or the power of a person, but the power of a God who owns and runs all things. See, what happens when we worship is that we actually recognize the presence and power of God in our life. When you are, you're just going through the ringer. For many of us, I've been there. I don't know about you guys. I've been there when my life is difficult, where I end up finding myself in the middle of a parking lot with my car. Because for some of us, our cars are safe space. Uh, anyone here in the room? Cars are safe space. Or the restroom or the shower. I don't know why that's the space, but whatever, right? You could also be in your bedroom or whatever. Uh, like, we find ourselves closing the doors, singing songs about God because we need to be encouraged. Like, this is what happens when we sing. We're declaring the goodness of God. We're speaking the power of God over our broken hearts, over our broken relationships, over our dysfunctional families. Like we're able to sing these truths about God's goodness to bring hope for the next day. See, the world has no hope, but we have hope and we're able to sing these truths about our glorious and great God. In fact, in Joshua 6.16, we see the people of Israel who were given this land as a promise. They were given this land as a promise in Jericho. And God told them to do this crazy thing, to walk around the city about seven times. On the seventh day, I want you to walk seven times. So imagine all these people walking around and leading in front of these people were priests with horns and all these musicians. And at the last time, the Bible says, Joshua spoke to the people and said, shout for the Lord has given you the city. They recognized that God was the victor in their lives. See, when we get together and we sing and we are actively giving ourselves to God, we are tuning our hearts to gratefulness. We're tuning our hearts to thanksgiving. And like that, like the people in, in Joshua who recognize that God has the final word over our lives. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, God has the final word. It's said in 1 Samuel 4, 5 through 7, when the people of Israel are about to fight these people called the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant, if you've watched any show that involved Indiana Jones, there is this movie called The Raiders of the Lost Ark. And this ark is what would actually represent the physical presence of God on the earth. So what happened was this. These Israelites are about to fight the Philistines. And all of a sudden, there's a rumble in the camp of the Israelites. 
and the noise was so loud that it actually shook the ground beneath them. Think about that. Think about having so much confidence and like excitement that God is with you that when you shout, it actually shakes the foundations of where you're standing. They had that much confidence in their God. And it said in the, in this, the remaining of the scripture, verses 5 through 7, that the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. See, even the enemies of God knew this. A God has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. Nothing like this has happened before. It doesn't exist anywhere in this world, our world here and now, where a God fights for his people, where a God stands on behalf of his people, where a God bends down and clothes himself in flesh and makes his home with his people. This has not happened before. It's said by Charles H. Spurgeon that our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. See, we are grateful. We are full of joy. We are, if you're under, like, trying to understand, like, why is it that, like, we can sing sometimes even off key and yet be so full of joy because we are happy. Because God has fulfilled our all in all and we respond in thanksgiving through singing. And for some of us, we may have this excuse and say, hey, man, like, this, this is just an emotional thing. It's not. It's not. Our God responds beyond our emotions. Yes, it's something you feel, something you experience, but God goes also to our minds. He loves us and asks us to be involved in all these things. In fact, some of us have this question about, man, like sometimes like, there's an idea that this worship has to be a particular way, or it's a standing or a singing or a shouting or whatever. But I'll tell you right now, the Bible says in Isaiah that in heaven... This music, this worship is continually going, and it is loud. Isaiah 6, 4, Isaiah is a prophet, and he has this view of heaven. And it says that at the sound of their voices, Mac, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Kind of like that smoke, just kidding. But like the, in heaven, their worship sessions are continually going, and they're loud, and there is smoke, and there is light, because God is the light of the city. Like, it's a full-blown, like we would say today, to some degree, we'd say it's, it's a concert. It's, it, it, you would look at this place here and say, what you guys are doing here is not real. But, dude, we're echoing what happens in heaven, a full explosion, expression of God's creativity as people honor and worship this God. See, grateful people not only worship, grateful people also serve one another. And how does this tie into this verse? Well, we see that it says that we're to serve this God, to honor him, to worship him with gladness. We serve with gladness. We serve God with gladness, and we serve people with gladness. See, spiritual maturity is not going to be measured upon how loud you sing. That's one thing. We come here and make noise and, and, and look good and raise our hands, close our eyes, cry, do all the things. But ultimately, it's measured in how we live our life after the music is done. Like, there's a song that's called, when the mu like, I think it's called uh, The Heart of Worship. And uh, it says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, like, I I and I truly come. Like, at that point, who are you after this music is done? Who are you after these lights are on and you're going to in and out? And then you, after worshiping God and saying, God, we thank you for who you are. And you cut someone off and you're like, oh, my gosh. You're ugly anyway, whatever. Like, like where, how is your response in normal day-to-day -day life with human beings? 
Or is it just a thing that happens in this room? See, worship is called, and thankfulness is called to be a lifestyle of day-to-day living by faith in God's promises, not trusting in our own strength. So spiritual maturity then begins to be a measure by living gratefully. And only a person who is humble can live grateful. See, what happens is when we realize or think that we are better than other people, we begin to other them. Does that make sense? Like when you think you're better than someone else, you begin to other them. And then you begin to put them in a different place. You don't want to serve them. For some of us, going back to uh, some of your grandparents' homes or uh, family, different families' homes, sometimes your mom's side, dad's side, whatever, you begin to go there and you're like, Mom, I hate going to grandma's house. I don't know why you sound like that. But, like, but why? Because she smells old. I don't know. Like, you have all these things. You begin to other them. You begin to put them in different categories. Or you, 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 and, and you guys are laughing, but for real, some of you guys don't want to go to some family's house because of some tension, maybe caused by you, caused by your parents, caused by something else. But you begin to other these people and then you're not able to serve them not able to have the patience to endure. See, if someone came up to you and let's say you had a crush on them, you give them all the time. You hear all their stories, 10 hours, 15 hours on the phone. I love you, I love you more. Like you talk forever. But if it's someone who's like, let's say like your family this weekend and you've othered them, you're not gonna give them the same patience. You can't serve them because you've not seen them as valuable. See, again, we're called to be a people who are grateful and serve other people. Sometimes with us with our time, sometimes with our talent, sometimes with our emotion. But we're called to serve these other people. 102 says this, that we are to serve with gladness. And he says, come into his presence with singing. We sing with gladness. We serve with gladness. We don't say, I'm going to wash the dishes, mom, and then jeer. Some of you guys don't know what a jeer is. You're like... That's a jeer, okay? You're like, what does that mean? Rolling your eyes. It's the equivalent or the African equivalent of rolling your eyes or maybe Mexican equivalent. I don't know, depending on what culture you're coming from, right? Like you say, I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm going to do it with an attitude. We are called to serve people, not with an attitude of self-righteousness or feeling better than, our, than, than other people, but to give of ourselves with gladness because we recognize that God has given us this opportunity that it's not our own strength that we stand on our two feet. The fact that our bodies are, are built in this weird way where like it takes about 169 million, I believe, times for this blood to go through your veins. Like the fact that you can hear my voice and understand and comprehend. Like you're not standing here and thinking and hearing on your own. These things are orchestrated by a God who has created you by design with purpose. And so we're grateful and we love other people because we know that God has given us this opportunity. In fact, what happens is this. We can look at a man like Jonah who had heard from God. Let's say you're a church kid, for lack of a better term, and you've heard these things before. And you end up being like Jonah, called by God to go and to speak the word of God and to love on people. Like we say here at our church, to live in love like Jesus. But like Jonah, you decide to go the opposite direction. You say, heck no. I don't want to do that. Jonah, like you, has heard the word of God. He knows who God has called him to be. But what he does is he was called to go to speak to his people in Nineveh. And as the story goes, you guys have read, uh, Jonah, I believe, has only go, no, okay, cool. five or six chapters. You can go check that out after. It's not long. Five? Four? Oh, no. Oh, there you go. Praise God. Right? So it has 
it's a short book to read. But as you read, you begin to realize that Jonah only does a partial job. He does a half job. And he does this job only after, or even after, that he has, his life has been spared of him. See, he disobeyed God. And the Bible says God sent a wind and God sent a storm and God had, he had him thrown over. And he was, and the Bible says he prepared a fish. This is interesting. Like God is not cooking the fish, but he prepared the fish and it swallowed him. He was inside that fish for three days. He gets out and he's still as racist, as hatred and, and, and hateful and like horrible as a person as he was before. How does that happen? Because he's not grateful. He's not grateful. In fact, the Bible goes on to show, to show us that he had more compassion like, like for, like, for, for people back home. And, and interesting in that verse, like in the Bible in Jonah, we realize that God even cared about the, the condition of the animals in that city. Think about the gratefulness of God. He even considers animals. But Jonah had no thought, no second thought for these people. And he began to other them because he was not grateful. See, gratefulness... Gratefulness, again, starts with humility. Now, here's the other point here, that we are people who are grateful, and gratefulness re actually results in loving people, in loving others. In Psalms 103, it says that, know that the Lord is God, and it is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, I'll tell you this right now. Knowing that someone loves me, gives me mad gas. Like it gives me a lot of energy, a lot of confidence. And for those of you who just had a bunch of shows, a bunch of plays, a bunch of uh, soccer, football, like baseball games, whatever season we're in, like whatever like thing you do that you want people to be a part of, the fact that if your family decided not to attend any one of those things, you would feel broken. Why? You would not feel loved. You would not feel encouraged. You would not be given the same kind of confidence to do what God or what these people want you to do. You'd go back home and have the side eye, like mad side eye, like, like, like you would have that kind of, a, of emotion. Why? Because you do not feel loved. See, this God has told us that we are, again, he's the one who made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And knowing this, knowing that we are loved gives us strength for tomorrow. Knowing that I am loved gives me confidence to do what God has called me to do. It makes me able to say, I can say no to you. You want to have sex with me now, but you're not my husband or my wife. Forget you. I know that I am loved. I know my worth. Or you're able to say with confidence, I, Matt, what? You want me to do what? Try a hit of what? Like, push that aside because I know that, that I have a value that God values my sober mind. And in my sober mind, I'm able to lead and to love and to create space for other people to be loved by God. When you know that you are loved by God, it gives you great confidence to live for tomorrow. In Mark 12, 30, Mark writes to us, he goes, quoting Jesus, that we are to love the Lord your God with all our hearts, our soul and all our mind and with all of our strength. Because he has loved us, we choose often and we choose every day. We choose every moment of every second to then love him back. Not because he's twisting our arm, but because we realize that we are ourselves loved 
well. Romans 12.2, he tells us that we're not to copy the behavior um, of this world, but let God's mind, God's word transform our minds into a new person, changing the way we think then we will know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are a people who know and search for the will of God. And to know God, you have to be a person who delights in God's word. That's how you know God's will. It was said of Hosea, in Hosea 4.6 that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The fact that people don't know or even reject the truth that God loves them. See, what happens with this truth is you have to make a decision about it. Either he's real or he's not. That's it. There's no in-between. God is either real or he's not. And in Romans chapter 1, it tells us that what happens is that we hear about God's love and we suppress the truth. That's what it says in Romans chapter 1, that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We suppress the truth of God's love and what he wants for us to do our own thing. Because we're the big dogs. Because our preference is us. Again, when we're grateful people, we're humble people, and we're going to love other people. It's a lot of other people, not myself. It's a lot of dying to myself. We hate giving of ourselves. But he called us to do exactly that. But if we know that he has indeed loved us and freed us, then that gives us confidence and opportunity to follow his perfect will. It says again, Hosea 4, 6, that people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. See, there's a consequence of ignoring this. And this is not to scare you, but to give you just on the real. Can we be real right here? Can I be real with you? The reality is that this God has given us himself himself there's no greater gift that a god who owns everything and made everything could give what could he give you a car it's nothing to him it's like me if if, if i was if i was to give you some money how much do you think i give you Ceci, how much do you think i give you 500 dang me praise god i didn't know i have 500 bucks to give but anyway praise god i look like 500 bucks boom there you go i give you 500 bucks right when they say like wait who who where's drew is drew in the room where's drew Sweet. Drew, uh, is, there you, Drew, come on up. Drew, come on up. How much do you think this man, come on, Superman, where you at? So I, I'm, I'm a $500 guy, right? That's what, how much do you think Drew got? $1. Bro, $1,000. I love you. Right? Like, he, it just keeps going higher. Where, where's Jacob Wood? Is Jacob Wood in the house? Right. Dang, Jacob Wood. Jacob Wood, as he runs up to the stage, look at him in humility, loving, living and loving like Jesus. Look at that leader. Jeez, whoa. Jacob looks like what? 100. <laughs> Jacob looks like $100,000. Come on, come on. Is Sophia in the room? Where's Sophia at? Sheesh. What? Look at these people, man. Amazing, right? <laughs> and when you look at Sophia, I believe Sophia got like a mill. Easy. 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 This is what's happening. This is what's happening. What happens is this. God gives us according to his riches and glory. That's what it says, according to. According to who he is. Not from. It's like me saying, I got 10. I'll give you, I'll give you like four. If I have 10, I'm giving according to you, I'll give you 10. Because that's who I'm worth. So God decided not to give 500, sorry, like me, or 
a grand or a hundred thousand or a mill. He gave all of who he was. All of who he was. There's no greater gift that God can give you than himself. You guys have a seat. Thank you so much. Give him a hand clap as they go back. This God gave us according to who he was. And when we reject this gift of new life of himself, we reject eternal life. We reject wholeness and safety. And ultimately, we reject the gift of eternity with him. See, Christians are called not to just to worship this God in an emotional space. Again, it's not just emotional. Christians are called to grow in grace and knowledge. To grow in grace and knowledge. To, yes, love uh, these people. Extend grace one to another and to uh, understand them and to spend time to uh, give of ourselves to other people. But also knowledge of God. We're growing grace of God. Loving him and loving people. But also in our minds knowing who he is and trusting him for who he says he is. Second Peter 3.18 says that we are to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? And, and this is why we do this. And this is actually a declaration because to him is all glory both now and forever. At the end of the day, it's all about him. And so we worship him. So what are the things we're to know about this God? What are the things that cause us to sing, to be a people who serve, who be a people who are full of thanksgiving? It says in verse, again, uh, verse 3, that to know that he is God, that he made us, that we are his, his people, and the sheep of his pasture. So there's three ways for us to know this God. We know him in his lordship, in his craftsmanship, and in his ownership. His lordship, his craftsmanship, and his ownership. And to know God in his lordship means this, that everything belongs to him. He is Lord. That's what it means to be Lord. That your very life, the air in your lungs belongs to him. It is borrowed breath you owe him. But he decided to gift you of all of who he is. It said in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, your hair, your curly hair, uncurly hair, like uh, whatever you, like wherever you look and feel, all these things belong to God. To know that he is in control of all things and yet he still loves us is a powerful thing. To know God in his craftsmanship is to know that this God has creatively and purposefully made you, your emotions, your thoughts, your gifts, your callings, your ability to play music or take pictures or to speak and people listen, your ability to gather people around you. These things are crafted into you purposefully. Like, have you wondered why some people have a particular grace? And I, I dare say it is a grace where when they speak, everyone listens. Like, the room is quiet. Why is that, why is that so? Why is that these people have particular gifts to shoot hoops and they don't miss? Like, work, yes, they work hard at it for sure. But they've been made, like, specifically and given gifts and callings. Why are some of you gifted with more compassion, truly, than other people? Why for some of you, you have a heart for special abilities, ministry, and other people have more heart for the homeless. Like you have been given gifts and callings all uniquely tied to who you are. Your personhood is tied to this God. You are crafted. The Bible says that you are wonderfully and beautifully made. He knits you in your mother's womb. Like you are made on purpose for a purpose you are not a mistake. To know that this God has made me specifically gives me confidence 
that yes, you may not like me, you may not like all the things I'm gonna say, you may like how I'm gonna walk or how I dress, but I know that this God has called me to do this work, to live and love like him in the world. That's a confidence that he gives us. To know God in his ownership is to recognize that he owns one creation and he also redeems it. To know him in in the fact that he creates all things and he redeems all things. In Revelation 5, 9, we see that all these saints in heaven are singing. And what are they singing? A song. A song about Jesus to whom all glory returns, remember? And they're saying you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons. From where? From every tribe and language and people and Nation, this God purchased all peoples from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Which is why you and I have brothers in India and in China and Japan. And when I go to another country, yes, I might meet a a dark-skinned man from Africa. And I go to the Netherlands and they can call me brother. Why? Because this God owns all things and he redeems all things. Our word wants to divide. But this God has redeemed his purpose in us to bring us all together. All across this room, we present tribes and tongues and peoples and nation. And that's why we can be grateful that everything is going back to creation's original intent. Romans 8.38, like I said, we have to know these things. Paul is a smart dude, I'll tell you right now. And he says that I am convinced, I am persuaded Like, you can't confuse me. You can't tell me otherwise. He goes, in Romans 8.38, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you know this God that way? Does it cause you to have gratefulness inside of you, to live on mission, on purpose this weekend when you go to have Thanksgiving with your families? Like, how does this help you feel? Does it give you confidence? You guys give that to me. Does that do that for you? This gratefulness ultimately gives fruits of Thanksgiving. And as the worship team comes up, there's a verse in Psalms 104 through 5. This is our last verse, two verses. He says that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the lord is good why do we give thanks why do why are we loud why do we have this smoke why does our voice shake the actual foundations of the enemy in our lives why do our voices shake the foundations of our world when we speak about loving people not othering them why are people scared why because god is good and his love endures forever And he is faithful. It says he continues his faithfulness from generation to generation. And for some people, that's a scary thought, that there's a God who exists. And for us, we know he's not far away. He's not othered himself. No, he's real and present in us and with us. Closer the next breath, our God is here. How do you respond to this God? How do you respond in Psalm 116, 12? Through 13, we see that the psalmist doesn't respond by saying, oh, this God is real, he's big, he's amazing, so I'm going to pay him. 
I'm gonna work my way to give myself to him so you know what I can I can be better so I can achieve like glory I can be in heaven no what he does is this he goes what shall I return to the Lord for all of his goodness to me for he's creating me for his purposeful making of who I am how do I then respond he goes I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord what that means is this I will humble myself I'll not lay myself up and say I'm better than other people. I'll not lay myself up or build myself up and sit out and say, Lord, I, I need you. Lord, I want you. I, I, I need you for every single day of my life to humble ourselves, to recognize that this God has given everything. And to humble ourselves and say, God, I want to give you everything. I would hope that after hearing this message, that you are drawn to a place where you say, man, like, I, I, I don't live like that. I'm the one who lives in selfishness. I hope that you would check your heart and examine yourself to see where you are with this God. And if you find that you are in a place where you're lacking this gratitude, lacking this relationship, lacking this love, that you choose to say, God, I need you. And if that's you tonight, we're going to have a, a session where we break and use our prayer wall where you can go there and and, and write that down and be honest within yourself and God. If you want someone in this room to pray with about this new relationship that you want to have with God, I'll be present after uh, at the back of the room. There'll be leaders in this room who have brown tags that have their name on them. They want to meet with you, to spend time with you. Look at the purposes of God where 20-somethings, 30-somethings could be anywhere else on a Sunday night, but they said, no, no, I want to be here because I want you guys to know this God. We'll be available for that. Our hope is that your faith this moment results in your heart change to love God, to know God, to have confidence that he loves you and is for you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this evening, Lord God. And as we talk about Thanksgiving and talk about the heart of gratefulness, Lord, we know that that humility comes from you, Lord God. It's a gift, Lord God. And we ask that you... Just break our hearts, for God. Reshape our minds, for God, to be a people who are humble and grateful and who live in the strength and the grace and the love that you provide, Lord. And for those who are on the, on the, the fence doubting or unsure, Lord God, that's okay. We ask that you heal their hearts, for God. Draw them to yourself, Lord. And for all of us in this room, Lord God, collectively help us be a people who are grateful who live and love like you. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary HSM805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.